What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 47 of the FanCast Live podcast. I'm yours truly, Giancarlo, your host. In this episode, I'm going to take you through the Mets' offseason thus far and discuss how each transaction positively or negatively impacts the New York Mets in 2024. But most importantly, I'm going to try to convince you that the Mets are heading in the right direction beyond 2024. But before we get into that, let me remind our listeners that you can listen to this episode of the FanCast Live podcast and many more like it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any podcast platform you desire. Check me out on social media. You can find me at Fancast Live on Twitter or X, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, or Facebook. And of course, if you want to reach out to me personally or if you want to be a special guest on the show, please email me at fancastlive at gmail.com. All right, without any further ado, here is the segment where I discuss the New York Mets off-season plan. Enjoy. Did the New York Mets do enough to improve their starting rotation for the 2024 season? The obvious answer is no, they did not. They struck out on Yamamoto, who ends up with the LA Dodgers on a $325 million deal. I'm sure that Shohei Otani, who had signed there a week or two prior, had a lot of influence in Yamamoto going to the Dodgers being that the Mets offered the same amount of money, and yet he ends up with the L.A. Dodgers. Shit happens. Mets have to move on. Bringing in three guys that are, quite honestly, three projects, and if you ask me, and Luis Severino, who comes from the Yankees on a one-year deal, uh, a guy who lost his way with the Yankees, ends up as a free agent, is now with the New York Mets, where Hefner has to try and right the ship with this guy, a guy who many in the industry feel he was tipping his pitches last season, uh, which is a big reason why he didn't find much success. Hopefully he'll fix that because, quite honestly, a lot of people in the industry feel that Luis Severino is uh, an ace on many pitching staffs. The Mets are hoping that's going to be the case this coming season because he is talented he just needs to find his way again on a pitching mound the other guy they bring in is Sean Manaya, a guy who again is going to be under another project a guy who lost his way last season with the San Francisco Giants goes from the rotation to the bullpen and then at the end of the season finds his way somehow back to the rotation after some minor changes to his repertoire He ends up starting eight games, I think, towards the end of the season where he found success once again in the Giants' rotation. The Mets are hoping that he will pick up where he left off last season, come to the Mets, and do just that. The other addition is Adrian Hauser, a guy the Mets acquired via a trade with the Milwaukee Brewers. Obviously, David Stearns, knowing this guy very well, running the Milwaukee organization for quite some time, uh, felt that Adrian Hauser would be a guy that the Mets could put in the middle of their rotation, back end of their rotation, eat up innings, keep run, uh, keep run production down against opposing teams, and uh, quite honestly could find some kind of success in the back end of, of this rotation. All of these are obviously good additions when you look at 
you know, success in prior seasons. But again, we don't know what we're going to get out of Severino. We don't know if we're going to get the same Manaya we got, the Giants got at the end of the season last year. And we really don't know much about Adrian Hauser. Uh, so the Mets are going to heavily rely on these guys to eat up innings. That said, the Mets obviously have to improve their bullpen if they're going to get some kind of success out of their rotation. If they don't, they're going to need a somewhat very good uh, bullpen in order to bridge the gap between their starters and their closer, Edwin Diaz. Now, David Stearns is pretty much using the same plan as Billy Epler did last season by signing a lot of pitchers to minor league deals with spring invites and hoping to find a diamond in the rough. Now, it didn't quite work out well for Billy Epler last year because the plan was sign a whole bunch of guys to minor league deals, bring them up and down between the minors and the majors when needed, and that the Mets were going to fill those roles with those guys. Now, the 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 big thing last year was you lose Edwin Diaz at the WBC when he had that freak accident jumping with his teammates out on the field after a victory. Uh, rupturing his quad or whatever the hell it was, he was out for the remainder of the season. You can't have that in 2024 because last year, because of Edwin Diaz's injury, Dave Robertson, who was your setup guy, becomes your closer and everybody else gets bumped up along the way. So guys like Drew Smith was somewhat used as a setup guy. You had uh, Rayleigh being used as a setup guy. Uh, Guys that usually probably aren't in that position if Edwin Diaz was still in the picture. Now, the bullpen wasn't very successful last year. I'm hoping that's going to change this year. But again, David Stearns using pretty much the same idea as Billy Epler did last year. But I'm hoping that David Stearns realizes that he can't go the entire season with what you have. You have to add one or possibly even two mainstays in that bullpen. Two solid guys that are going to be able to get the job done when called upon. Because if you don't find that diamond in a rough, you're not going to have success coming out of that bullpen. You're going to be using a lot of pitchers through the course of the season. Um, You're not going to find uh, the two mainstays to bridge the gap to Edwin Diaz. So the Mets are going to need at least one, maybe even two guys to come in and be mainstays in that bullpen. Dave Robertson is still out there. I think the Mets are still interested in bringing him back. I think Dave Robinson would be interested in coming back. That I don't know for sure, but I would love to see him come back because the tandem of him and Diaz in the back end of that bullpen was tremendous, would be tremendous, and then they would only have to find one more guy to bridge the gap between middle relief, Robertson, and Diaz. Now, 
a lot of the success for the New York Mets come 2024 and to improve on that 75-win season from a year ago is obviously going to heavily fall on the New York Mets offense. Now, their lineup is pretty much going to be the same as 2023, with the exception of Daniel Vogelback. Now, the Mets have sh- have said repeatedly that they would be interested and that the door would be open to the possibility of bringing in an everyday DH, a J.D. Martinez, a Justin Turner, a Jorge Soler, a guy that they would day after day put in the lineup to be your regular DH and not have to rely on two guys platooning righties against lefties. Now, that still remains to be seen, but if we're really looking at 2024 as a bridge to 2025, a lot of people are saying that the Mets are punting on 2024. I don't think they're punting. I think they're just evaluating their organization They're evaluating the talent that they acquired in those trades for Scherzer and Verlander last year to see what kind of future the Mets have in 2024. At some point, guys like Clifford and Gilbert and Acuna are all going to see time at the major league level. When that's going to be, I have no idea. Vientos is probably going to see a lot of time At the major league level, whether it's DH, third base, first base, you name it, he's going to get enough at-bats for the Mets to decide whether or not there is a future here for Mark Vientos. I hope that Vientos and whoever they platoon to Vientos at DH will have the production that the Mets are looking for out of that position. Because quite honestly, ever since the DH has come to the National League, the Mets have fucked this up every single season. This was supposed to be an opportunity for the Mets to add an extra bat in the lineup to improve their offense, and yet they've not done that since the DH has been instilled into the National League and, and and it continues today. Like, I don't understand why the Mets just can't get this right. They eventually will. And I'm hoping 2024 that's going to be the case. I'm hoping that Mark Vientos is the answer. I'm hoping that Mark Vientos comes in and hits 20, 25 home runs and drives in 70, 80 runs batted in out of the DH position. He'll probably spell Alonzo at first base a couple of times a year. He'll spell whoever's at third base a couple of times a year. He'll get some time playing on the field. There's no doubt about it, but most of the the bats he gets are going to be from the DH position. So Mets pitching is going to heavily rely on the New York Mets offense. But unless the Mets offense clicks on all cylinders, Right from the get-go until the end of the season, the Mets pitching staff is going to have their issues keeping opposing offenses off the board. If the Mets can't score at least four and a half to five runs per game, 
they're going to lose a lot of games. They only won 75 games last year. They have to improve on that after winning 101 two seasons ago. What happened last year, it's pretty obvious. Scherzer wasn't himself. Verlander was out for a significant amount of time to start the season. Jose Quintana was out for the first half of the season. Um, when 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 Scherzer pitched, he just wasn't himself. When Verlander came back, wasn't himself. Uh, so the Mets were relying on guys like Jose Quintana when he came back in the second half. Kodai Senga pitched pretty significantly. Uh, pre- he was pretty solid through the course of the season. So those were the two guys the Mets relied on in the rotation to get the job done. Tyler McGill had his ups and downs. Um, He finished strong, there's no doubt. David Peterson, uh, he had his ups and downs. Um, He had hip surgery in the offseason. He's probably going to be out uh, at least until June. They'll probably hold him out until after the All-Star break. But after... Senga, Quintana, Severino, uh, Hauser, and um, who's the who's the guy I'm missing here? Senga, Quintana, Severino, um, Hauser, and uh, Shomanaya. That's who I'm missing. After those guys, there's plenty of depth. You still have Tyler McGill. You still have David Peterson when he comes back. You still have Jose Buto, who a lot of people in the organization feel he can take a step forward this year. And then you have the guys in the minors, and Christian Scott and Mike Vassell, who many in the industry feel are going to get their first look at the major league level this coming season. And what better season to do it than 2024? So David Stearns is going to be evaluating a lot of the talent that's in this organization, whether it's at the major league level or down in the minors, and see what he's got and what he wants to go with beyond 2024. The Mets um, minor league system is probably the strongest it's been in a very long time, thanks to the trades of Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, Acuna, Clifford, Gilbert, uh, you name it. They got a tremendous amount of talent in return that, quite honestly, Steve Cohen paid for because he's still paying most of Scherzer's contract, Verlander's contract, not only this year but also next year, depending on whether uh, Verlander's contract, uh, the option kicks in or not. Um, so... Steve Cohen paid for those prospects, but they're very good prospects. And the future right now for the New York Mets is looking bright because of those trades. A lot of people didn't want to see Scherzer and Verlander go last year because a lot of people felt that the Mets were just a winning streak away from turning that corner. And quite honestly, it just never came. Regardless of how good the Mets were at some point, at some times during the course of the season last year, you know, what went up came down. It it just it didn't um it didn't carry for long. 
it, it just wasn't sustainable. So did the Mets do the right thing at the trade deadline? Absolutely. Scherzer was done. And he just got back surgery done. So I think he's going to be out this coming season, if not most of the season. Um, you know, Verlander is just a shell of the Cy Young Award winner he was two seasons ago. So regardless of whether they're here or not, Cohen is still paying for them. But at least he's got something to show for it. So now it's David Stern's job to figure out which of those pieces are going to be part of the New York Mets' future and which will not be. So this is where the New York Mets 2024 offseason lies right now. A bunch of projects in, in the rotation, a bunch of projects in the bullpen. Hopefully, David Stearns does something to improve that bullpen even more because you cannot go into the season with a bunch of minor league contracts and spring training invitees looking for that diamond in a rough. You have to bring in some solid guys to come out of that bullpen and perform up to expectations. The offense, again, listen, would I like the Mets to go out and sign Jorge Soler? Yes. Would I like for them to go out and get a J.D. Mar JD Martinez? Yes. Would I like for them to go out and get a Justin Turner? Yes. They would all significantly improve the New York Mets lineup, specifically Soler and Martinez because of the power that they uh, can produce. Justin Turner, he's getting up there in age, and so is J.D. Martinez, but a lot of people feel Justin Turner would be a better fit because he can play the field, whereas opposed to J.D. Martinez cannot. So um, the Mets are always looking for players, versatile players, players who can play both the field and DH if they're going to go in that direction. Daniel, Vogel, Daniel Vogelback didn't quite work out that way because he was a waste of a lineup spot. All he can do is swing the bat. Uh, how many times did he play first base? It wasn't very often. Very heavy set guy, didn't have a lot of uh, range, uh, wasn't a speedy guy. Um, his 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 swing was all upper body. It was all upper body. If he had a home run, it was all upper body. So the Mets are going to heavily rely on what they have this year to improve on that 75-win season from a year ago. So a lot of question marks heading into the 2024 season. But that doesn't mean that the Mets cannot find success if guys like Severino doesn't find his way and Manaya doesn't pick up where he left off and Adrian Hauser becomes, uh, if not a innings eater, but an above-average starter in the back end of that rotation. And then, I mean, there's no guarantee that Adrian Hauser is going to be part of this rotation. 
because Tyler McGill can still come in and beat him out for that fifth spot. Tyler McGill, I honestly, truly feel, ever since I saw him pitch the season when DeGrom was out, where he started opening day, I felt Tyler McGill was the next star. And I still think that there's something there for Tyler McGill. I still think that he can be a star in this league. He has the tools. He just kind of loses his way every so often. David Peterson, the same thing. There's a lot of talent there. But there are times when he kind of loses his way. He ends up in the minors last year, and he did worse in the minors than he did in the majors. I mean, who, how does that happen? That shouldn't happen. Jose Buto showed signs of, you know, being a pitcher that the Mets can rely on as a spot starter. I don't know if he can be a rotation guy yet. Again, I'm not, I'm not an expert at this stuff, but I'm just going by what, you know, the r- reports say. You know, Christian Scott, Mike Vassell, these two guys have quickly climbed through the ranks in a minor league system. And they're probably the only two pitches that the Mets organization ever talks about. Everybody else is just too far down single A, rookie ball, to even consider uh, to be part of the New York Mets rotation in the near future. They're probably still all two, three, four years away. But that is the state of the New York Mets right now. Hopefully, by the time spring training comes around, the Mets will have improved both offensively and with the pitching staff. Um, it's I just I just don't know what you're going to get out of the rotation. The success of the rotation and the success of the Mets bullpen is going to determine whether or not the Mets offense is even going to be a factor in all of this. If Senga, Quintana, Severino, Manaya, Hauser, or McGill, whoever is going to be in that fifth rotation spot, if they can hold the fort down, and eat up innings and keep down the run production against opposing lineups. And the bullpen does their part, and the offense scores runs, I don't see how the Mets don't make the playoffs as possibly an 88-90 win season. 88 or 90 win season. It all remains to be seen. But then again, don't forget, if the Mets find success, they will always have the trade deadline to improve. You know, it, it, there's it's not written anywhere that the Mets can't improve in the middle of the season. It doesn't say they can't make a trade before the trade deadline. So depending on how successful the Mets are coming out of the gate, is going to determine how far the Mets are willing to go in 2024. 
But 2025 is going to be where the New York Mets start to commit to being a World Series contender once again. Because there are going to be more than a handful of pitchers that are going to hit the free agent market after the 2024 season. Zach Wheeler being one of them. Uh, Bieber, I think, is another. Uh, Bueller. There are going to be a number of pitchers that the Mets can go out and sign freely without, you know, paying a tremendous amount of luxury tax dollars because Scherzer and Verlander will most likely be off the books by then. Now, the one thing I didn't talk about is Pete Alonso. And I'm going to quickly talk on Pete Alonso before I get off here. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because a lot of Mets fans are panicking about the Pete Alonso situation. Pete Alonso is a player that many feel if he stays with the New York Mets, is going to destroy a lot of New York Mets records. I want that for Pete Alonso. But I understand being in his last arbitration year, and I think he got, I don't know, $22 million, I think, this for 2024 in arbitration. He went out and fired his agent and hired Scott Boris. Now, if you guys don't know the history behind Scott Boris, he is an agent that if his client is in his final year of his contract or in his last year of arbitration, if his client is a superstar like Pete Alonso is and I put him down as a superstar. The guy hits 40-plus home runs every year, 125-plus RBIs every year. The dude is a star. But after he hired Scott Boris, everybody was like, oh, shit, here we go. He's going to leave the New York Mets. That's not quite the case. Steve Cohen wants Pete Alonso to be in a New York Mets uniform beyond 2024. But Steve Cohen understands that if he extends Pete Alonso prior to his 2024 season, that he could possibly outbid himself in these negotiations. And Pete Alonso and Scott Boris feel that if Pete Alonso plays out 2024, his last year of arbitration, and hits the free agent market, there'll be 30-plus teams who can bid for his services. And why not allow, and I'm talking about Steve Cohen now, why would Steve Cohen offer him an extension at, say, $35 million a year for the next, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years. When on the open market, the value could be, I'm being hypothetical right now, 25 to $30 million. 
instead of $35 million. He would have paid Pete Alonso five to ten million five to ten million dollars more than what his market value is. Does that make sense? So the Mets are looking out for themselves. Pete Alonso is looking out for himself. But in the end, the 30-plus teams or whatever teams that are going to bid for Pete Alonso's services are going to set the market for Pete Alonso, whether that's $25 million a year, $30 million a year. That remains to be seen. But if the Mets were to offer $35 million a year to Pete Alonso right now and he signs on the dotted line, when the market value on the free agent market probably would have been $25, 30000000 million, he'd be overpaying for Pete Alonso's services. So that's this is why this cat-and-mouse game between the two sides, or it appears to be a cat-and-mouse game, but pretty much both sides realize that the best case scenario here is for Pete Alonso to hit the open market and allow the other teams to set the market for Pete Alonso and not the New York Mets. Because the Mets are going to go with what teams offer. Say teams, hypothetically, they offer $25 million a year. The Mets will go in and say, well, we'll give you $26 million a year. You know? Does that even make sense? It's it's just, I just feel that the Mets are looking out for themselves. Pete Alonso is obviously looking out for himself. They're going to allow the market to... Um, dictate what Pete Alonso is worth. And then the Mets will move from there. There's, It's not written anywhere that says the New York Mets are not going to be able to sign Pete Alonso if he hits the free agent market. When does it say that? It doesn't say it anywhere. The Mets are confident that once the market is set for Pete Alonso, that they will be able to sign him to that market value. And that's all I have to say about Pete Alonso. I think that's ultimately what's going to happen. The Mets are going to let free agency dictate what Pete Alonso's value is and not the New York Mets. All right, I hope you guys liked that segment. Post your comments below. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know your comments uh, on a lot of the things I covered in this episode, I would love to hear back from you. Give me a thumbs up if you liked it. Give me a thumbs down if you didn't. And again, check me out on social media at Fancast Live. You can find me on X or Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, and Facebook. Check out the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcast or any podcast platform you desire. Till the next time. Peace.